How many have fun last week at Church on the Lawn? Good, good, good. It was fun. Welcome back. I saw, I see a couple faces that I got to the privilege of meeting at Church on the Lawn. So thank you for being here. Um, it's an honor. I see somebody that went up front uh, last week to receive the gift of salvation is here. So, man, yay, Jesus. If this is your first couple times being here, your first time, just give us a wave. We're not going to call you out. Just give us a wave. We'd love to welcome you upper room style. Thank you for coming. All right. We are a church that believes in prayer and intercession, and uh, I know sometimes it gets a little uncomfortable and people intercede in different ways. Uh, we try to with, stay within the context of, of biblical intercession, which is moanings, which is um, uh, praying without understanding or knowledge or tongues and, and praying with understanding. So uh, we just want to welcome intercession. I love Nicole's definition of intercession. It's praying on behalf of somebody who can't, won't, or don't know, doesn't know how. So, so for us, intercession is going on behalf of others, and there's a lot going on in this world, and uh, we're going to just kind of speak into some of that today. I, we're a church that we, we don't want to cross the line of becoming a political church, of, of using this as a political platform. We don't want to be a church that, that picks sides or shuns people away or, or does this thing to be judgmental just like the world is, right? But there are things that we need to confront and at least make aware of and see what God's perspective I just believe this. God has a narrative on everything that's going on. God has a storyline. We may like, be exposed to the media storyline, or we may be exposed to a political agenda, but God has a storyline in all of this. He has a narrative. He has something that he's doing. So that's what I want to speak in today, and uh, so excited for uh, a loose friend becoming better friends, Peter Lewis, next week. Listen, I, one of the most powerful services I've ever been to, it was it was power in the way of conviction, power in the way of intimacy. We were in Dallas, and I think everybody in the entire room, all of a sudden, Peter does this call to just, just recognize what the Lord was doing in that moment, and, and everybody just began weeping. It was this, this serene, peaceful uh, thing, and, and several of us pastors were there, and um, we're like, man, we need him at Upper Room. So next week, don't miss. Uh, we're just expecting, he has a hunger for the Father's heart. That we are children, we are sons and daughters of a really good dad, and also for discipleship. So I'm excited to see what he brings. Uh, so we're excited for that. Leaders, our core leaders are meeting with him on Saturday, and then he'll be here Sunday. But man, there's a lot going on. I know we prayed and interceded for Afghanistan, but there's a lot of other things going on in the, media, on, in the world that may not even be getting as much media attention. Um, Haiti had an earthquake, and between 10 and 100,000 people have lost their lives. You're not hearing much of this. There's, there's riots going on in Australia right now. There's civil unrest and still issues in Cuba. And, and there's all of these world headlines that, that, that are being sometimes drowned out by a political agenda or by this stream or by this thing. And there's tragic things going on in Afghanistan. We, we have a friend from Ohio who pastors another church in Ohio called Upper Room who was in Afghanistan as of last week. And, and we, he's, a, he's, he's close to us. He's in our stream. He's in our tribe. And, and there's a lot going on in the world. And what I found, at least in our home, and especially Nicole, I, uh, around January, I went through and I weeded everything. Like, I, I found myself getting caught up in a political spirit into a, a, a religious spirit and becoming as judgmental as anybody else and, and, and really seeing a clear line of divide of, of Christianity, of the bride, of the kingdom, of nations, of our nation, 
And it was like, man, so I weeded that. But Nicole, I found her this week, and we were talking, and she's just so, getting so afraid of just various things, so afraid and so heartbroken, which is a righteous, good thing for, for people in Afghanistan and the believers and the bride of Afghanistan and, 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 and all of that, as well as everything else that's going on. But then I, she, she started getting afraid, and man, are they going to make the kids wear masks in school again this year? Now, listen, I, I, I'm not going to let a mask divide us, Okay. If you're for mask, great, wear it. If you're not, don't judge the people who are wearing it, okay? So that's the thing. Like, all of this, the vex, all of that. Like, we have to come to know that the bride has to be unified, regardless of where you stand on some of this. If you got vaccinated, great. If you don't want get, to get vaccinated, we hope your rights are protected. Absolutely, okay? So this is not a political message, all right? Don't, don't cast stones at me. But here's the deal. Nicole found herself getting afraid that the kids are going to have to wear masks again and that this is going to happen or this mandate's going to be required or this is going to be required to go here or do this. And I'm like, man, Nicole, you need to really stop. You need to focus what's the Lord saying in all of this. And, and we had this just great conversation Friday morning. We had a couple hours together. And, and I was like, man, and, and, and I said, listen, you're spending all this time. She said, what can we do for Afghanistan? I said, Pray. We, we, right now, there's not much that we or me personally that I can do. I know people there. We're praying for them. We, we'll send resources if we can or, or, or financial assistance if that helps. But right now, it's pray. And she's just consumed in some of these news feeds and some of these Instagram stories and feeds. And it's like, man, 10 minutes of prayer is going to be way more productive than 10 minutes on Instagram. 10 minutes of prayer is probably going to be more effective than 10 minutes on the news station. And it's these things to where, where are we vesting our time? Where are we focusing? Where's, where's our attention? And so what we found in our home, at least, and even in me, was fear and anxiety rising. We, we felt like an unrest rising. We felt frustration rising. We felt anger rising again. We felt judgment rising again with the mandates and the requirements of medical workers with vaccines. And I just believe we're a free church. We should also be a free people for the nation that people fought for to be free my stance on it free to get it free to not get it but here's the deal like like we are this free people that need to be free in christ and free in our nation that was fought for but we felt this this tension in our home and i was like i'm just gonna preach on it. i'm just gonna go straight in head first with it and 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 just really speak on faith and fear there's just a lot of things in fear, and, and, and I just recognize this week that it is the enemy's plan and john 10 10 it says the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy but we have this but god thing we have this and suddenly thing right we have this but jesus came to what it should be on the screen here came to give life and what life more abundantly so we have this narrative of the enemy that is to divide the church divide our nation divide the world right and then we have this narrative of the enemy to steal and to kill and to steal joy to steal our peace to steal hope to steal these things and and yet to steal faith right but we have this Jesus that came. He says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Not just who, that. And I think, in, at least in our home and our lives and some of our concerns going into a new school year was, man, we're losing our joy of putting kids, the kids back into the school. We're losing our, our peace about some of these things that are going on. And can we travel to see our, our, our churches in Costa Rica and St. Lucia and Mexico? Are we going to be able to do that while having the freedoms that we have convictions on, right? So we have these things, and, and I, I want to just reveal some of God's narrative and some of history, some of what the biblical times, like I was talking to Caleb Ingram, he's a, a local kind of revivalist, just a great dude, connects the bride, has a heart for the lost, does declare. 
and we were connecting and we're like, we're just sharing hearts. And, and it was this amazing thing of like what we kind of conclude is like this enemy's plan, but yet God using it for good. And, and we were just like sharing hearts of just like everything that's going on and we find ourselves getting frustrated and kind of in the trap. Then all of a sudden, we, it was like I came out of the water and breathed again. I was like, oh, I love people. Even if they do disagree with the way I feel, right? It, it would be so um, dogmatic or, or whatever, bigoted to think that God only loves Americans. Or God only loves Republicans, or only loves Democrats, or, or God only loves this group of people, or God only loves those who don't get vaccinated. <laughs> it's so shallow that Jesus came to, to give himself for the entire world, the cosmos. You know, everything that has breath gets to praise the Lord. So, so today we're just going to confront some things because I do believe in this story there is a but God. There's an and suddenly, there's this moment, and, and had, uh, Evelyn, she had one of our phones. We have this app on there called Fun Facts. When Nicole and I were the youth pastors, we would go into the public schools and do these character clubs every week, and, and we would toss out candy bars, and, and it was in pops and different things that kids probably should not be eating in school. But anyway, we had a lot of fun with it, and if they got a question right, uh, we'd pass them a candy bar. Here, have a Snickers. You know, and it's these dumb questions like, what's the most dangerous animal in the world that kills more humans than anybody else? Anybody know it? Hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. That's right. Isn't that crazy? You think like a lion or a bear or something. Here's your Snickers, you know. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. So anyway, there's this thing of, uh, so she ran across this one. She's like, 85, she's reading them off. She's like, 85% of the things we worry about never happen, and the remaining 15, 15% we learn from. I was like, that's so true. 85% of the things we fret over, we worry about, we get consumed by, we, we fear, right? They usually don't even happen. My brother happens to be my boss and our fire chief, and I can't tell you how many things are talked about, and so many things are gossip, and so many things are like, oh, it's an idea, and nothing ever happens, and it's like, it, it creates all this turmoil, right? But 85% of it never even happens. So I quit a long time worrying about, like, they'll bring in fire trucks and ambulances, and they'll bring them in as demos, and I was like, yeah, just show me the one we're going to buy, because 15 of them that you bring in, we're not even buying, <laughs> It's this concept that we worry about the things that usually don't happen, and the ones that do, we usually grow in or learn from, and it's this experience to get better, and we've talked about this the last few weeks. But fear's kind of like, I know it's a weird time to talk about snow, all right? How many have found yourself complaining the last couple of weeks of being hot? You remember that in February, okay? When there's 14 inches of snow on the ground, it's minus 10, and you're complaining about being cold, all right? So anyway, a snowball, you know, you build this. I love making snow, snowmen with my kids, and, and you, you roll it, and it's like, it's like when it's like 33 degrees, and it's just that perfect compacting, you know, perfect hard, hurt-your-face kind of snowball kind of, kind of weather, right? So anyway, when you make that snowball, it builds, right? And you get it bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you put another one on it, and then a third one, and then you start to decorate it. That's, that's kind of like fear. It compounds, and it builds, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually, if our life is built on the foundation of fear, it'll eventually collapse or create an avalanche and bring a whole lot of other people around with it. And see, that's the similarity. Faith and fear are so much alike. They build on the things that are typically unseen and magnified by the things that are seen. See, faith, faith is the antidote, but fear is the poison. 
And here's the thing, fear is a natural thing for us to, to, to have. It's an emotion that we have. It's a feeling. It's, it's this thing that is actually usually deep, right? And it's fear rooted typically from something else. But faith is the exact same thing, but opposite. And, and then the symptom and, and the outward thing would be, if we're having faith, we have peace, correct? So there's these things. But it, faith is also contagious. Just as much as fear and negativity and pessimism sells, so does faith. I love good stories, right? I watched this series on Netflix called Kindness Diaries. It was awesome. It was a, made me feel good, right? Those feel-good shows or the negative crap and the junk sells. Those, those two things. Usually the middle stuff, they don't make it, right? It's those twos on, on either spectrum. That's because faith and fear, they're opposites of each other. So I want to just go through the whole chapter of Isaiah 41. Is that cool? Good. All right, I'm hydrated. We're going to focus on, the, on verse 10, though, but let's get there. Listen in silence before... Now, let me talk about history of Isaiah. Okay, let, let's just get there. We have a ton of people in, in church here that this is their first church experience. Some of them have never owned a Bible, which is totally rad and awesome that we can uh, be a part of your journey and, and your, your, your yes to Jesus, Right? So let me just tell you, Isaiah, it is a book uh, of the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah, all right? And it's really kind of divided into two eras. So, so anywhere up to Isaiah 39 is, is the rule of some kings, and, and, and through these kings, throughout all of Isaiah, it's, it's the kings of um, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, okay? So, so it's this time through Isaiah prophesying, typically speaking to the Israelites and, and the people of the time, right? And it's the Lord speaking through him, and it's this era of time. Then they get to what they call, honestly, sometimes like part two or, or Isaiah two or, or the second part, which starts at verse uh, chapters 40 on, okay? So, and here's what happened was Hezekiah was this great king. He was a righteous king. He was good. Then all of a sudden, uh, the Israelites are now under Babylonian rule and reign. They're under the times of Babylon. And, and what happens is this has just changed everything. So in Isaiah 40, they're complaining. And they're going through this hardship. They're going through this, this hard time. And, and I was like, man, this Isaiah 41 really reflects kind of where we're at in our culture. And I'm not talking about... about <laughs> Trump to Biden, okay? But there is some similarities from, from Obama to Trump to Biden. Like, there's all of these eras that we've gone through different presidents, different kings, correct? Different times and cultures. You could even look at them as different times of decades or, or generations. There are these different times, right? So, so Isaiah's prophesying from the Lord, and here's where we're at. Now, this is after complaining and going through hardship in 40, 41 we get to. It says, listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea, bringing your strongest arguments, come now and speak. The court is ready for your case. Who has stirred up this king from the east, rightly calling him God's service? Who gives this man victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot? With this sword, he reduces armies to dust. With his bow, he scatters them like chaff before the wind. He chases them away and goes on safely through. He is walking over unfamiliar ground. Who has done such mighty deeds, summoning each new generation from the beginning of time? I, I love that this is, he's summoning him. You are the people of God. And just so you know, we get, we as believers, we as the family of God get lumped in. Any promise to Israelites is a promise to ours. Also the journeys and the, and the commitments, the, the fulfillments of Jesus are, are to us. But this is a chapter unto the generations. Keep that in mind. 
because there's going to be a history test at the end. It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am he. The lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. The idol makers encourage one another, saying to each other, be strong. <laughs> I'm telling you, this relates to our time right now. This was also, um, let me get into that in a moment. This was written in a time of science. This was written in a time of academia and, and scholarly um, uh, foundations and importance and significance. But literally science, analytical data that was being processed in the, time, in the times. How many of you have heard every single direction of everything that our culture is frustrated right now about science? Well, science says this. Well, science says that. Well, science says masks work. Science says masks don't work. Science says the vaccine's good for you. Science says the vaccine's not good for you. How, how many can relate to some of this? I know I'm stepping on 50% of your toes every time I say one thing and the other 50% when I say the other thing. I love you. You love me. Blessed are those who are not offended. Okay? But here's the thing. This is confronting a time of science. Of all times right now, I've heard science quoted more than anything. More than uh, Nacho Libre, okay? He's talking to his friend. He's like, I have concerns for you. You only believe in science. <laughs> Come on, this is a young church. You should know these movies. As dumb as they are. I totally lost track where I was. Let's, let's go in verse 7. The carver encourages the goldsmith, and the molder helps at the anvil. Good, they say, is coming along fine. Carefully they join the parts together, then fasten one thing in place so it won't fall over. But as for you, Israel, my servant Jacob, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend. I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you. I will not throw you away. Everybody say this. Do not be afraid. Say, do not fear. Repeat this after me, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, all you angry enemies lie there confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who try to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. This is such a now time. This is such a now time when, when you're feeling. Now, I'm not saying don't get frustrated. I'm not saying don't do something that's within your ability to do. We can all pray. We can all be moved with compassion for the things that are going on in the world, correct? But there's certain things that we walk through the weeds on that we never belonged in that forest in the first place. Don't be afraid, I'm here to help you. Though you, are lowly, though you are lowly warm, I, Jacob, don't be afraid. Oh, Jacob, don't be afraid. People of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. You will be in, this is the encouraging thing that the Lord is promising here. I want us to hear this and get this in our hearts today. You will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. You will tear your enemies apart, making chaff of mountains. You will toss them into the air, and the wind will blow them all away. A whirlwind will scatter them. Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glorify, you will, glor, you will glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and needy search for water, and there is none, there are Tongues are parched from thirst. 
I, I love this part because it says, um, talks about thirst, being thirsty. And, and if we're thirsty, he'll quench our thirst, right? Taste and see that he's good. We've talked about the tree, correct? And the fruit. Good fruit comes from a good tree. So he's going into like, man, even in desert places, there's going to be water. Even in those desolate grounds, even in those times of culture where you think God is nowhere present, there, are, there is fruit, there are trees, even when we're in a desert, in our culture, in our land, in a nation founded on God, right? There is fruit. There are trees growing in these waterways in the middle of the desert. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. We're almost done. I will plant trees in the barren desert, cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, pine. I love trees. Those are some good ones. I'm doing this so all who see this miracle will understand what it means, that the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel will, who created it, present the case before your idols. And it goes on to talk about the idols and, and the gods. And if this happens, then, then those gods are real. But he's really calling out. We're going to skip down to verse 26. Who told you from the beginning that this would happen? Now listen, we're listening to a lot of stories. We're listening to a lot of influences in our culture right now. We're listening to a lot of outlets and a lot of media and a lot of uh, Instagrammers and a lot of even preachers. But God's saying, who told you? It was like when Adam and Eve were found in the garden naked. Who told you you were naked? Who, who are we really listening for? Who are we tuning into? Are we, are we tuning into culture and their influence and media, whatever direction that is, and whatever day of the week or hour that might be or minute the story might be wanting portrayed? Or God? Because God has narratives in this. God has a story in this. God has a purpose. And even what the enemy meant for destruction, God will use for good. It's biblical. Who predicted this, making you admit that he was right? No one said a word. I was the first to tell Zion, look, help is on the way. I will send Jerusalem the messenger with good news. Not one of your idols told you this. Not one gave the answer when I asked. See, they are foolish, worthless things. All your idols are as empty as a wind. Now, here's a cool thing. We're going to focus on verse 10 for just a moment here because there is there's a couple I don'ts, there's a couple do nots, there's a couple I ams, and there's a few I wills. And we're going to focus on these because I think we get entangled with the, the things and get caught off. And then what's it do? It positions you against other people. It positions you to trust that source more than to trust Jesus in the mess. Let, let me just say this. Not all tragedy is bad. And all tragedy can be used for good. If you look at every great revival, it came from a, very, a collapse or, or hardship or a hard time or all of these things. You know, even if you look at the world and, and even the biblical times, when things were falling apart, Jesus sent a flood. It was destruction. It was terrible. It was hard to see. I'm sure Noah was absolutely heartbroken when the rain started and no one came but his family. When it fell apart again, Jesus came and he rescued us. He came and he conquered death, hell, and the grave forever, Right? I've been asked a lot lately, was well, this the end times? Well, we're leading to it. There's more signs now than ever. Revelation talks about earthquakes, a major earthquake in Haiti that almost goes unnoticed by the other stuff in the media. There are, there are signs towards the end times. Now, I'm not getting in pre-trib, post-trib message today. I'm not going to mess with you there. I've messed enough politically with you. All right? But here's the deal. I just know we're closer today than we were yesterday. 
But the enemy would want nothing more than to divide us and frustrate us enough to hate Democrats. Or if you're a Democrat, to hate Republicans. Or if you're a pro-masker, to hate those who don't wear a mask because they're not loving their neighbor. Or if you're, you're an anti-masker, you're getting mad at those people because they have no faith to trust Jesus. There was a great sermon I posted on my Instagram this week. This dude was fire talking about this stuff. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Noah's like, I listened to the whole message. So th these are the things that are being positioned. Now, I, I don't, there's just an enemy's assignment here, but God wins. If we read Revelation, we win. But in the meanwhile, this destruction that happens, not all of it's bad. If you remember 9-11, there was a season there where churches were full. Wartime, churches are full. I'm not saying that it's great. I'm not saying I want innocent men and women fighting for our freedoms to die. But what the enemy means for destruction, God uses for good. And a lot of times, in order for there to be revival, there has to be death or destruction. In order for something to be revived, something had to die so that it can live forever. That, that's the thing. So, so we're getting so mad if we get forced to do this or we're getting so mad. And I am heartbroken about Afghanistan. I am heartbroken about Cuba. I am heartbroken about Haiti and what's happening in this moment by, by, in Australia. I'm heartbroken about the things in the direction where our nation's going on very, very critical social issues that are, that are against biblical views. Heartbroken. But man, if that's what it takes to get people to know the real loving Jesus, then so be it. If that's what it takes to turn hearts, to not trust the government, to trust only Jesus, then amen. If that's what it takes to say, I am not going to worship an idol named with a title president, I'm going to worship the king of kings, amen. amen. I'm not saying like I'm forsaking our history and why our nation was founded. I love America, okay? We are a special person and a special, special people of God's heart, right? We're founded on religious freedoms and men and women have died fighting for those freedoms and we honor and we value that and we will continue to do that as a church. But our trust cannot be in man. Our trust cannot be in a system or a government or anything else. Our trust has to be in Jesus even when we're seeing these terrible travesties and these terrible stories and these terrible media portrays. Jesus, you have your way in it. Jesus, lead people to you through this. Jesus, turn hearts to you. I'm sick of being controlled too, right? I was controlled by sin. I was controlled by depression. I was controlled by a lot of junk before Jesus. I don't like being controlled by anybody. <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> Ask my dad. <laughs> That's my dad saying that. I don't. I, I even walk into a school and I'm like, get a little weird. I'm like, it's my kid. You, you're not better for my kid than me, you know? I love education. I love our school systems. We have a really great ones in our area. But there's times I'm like, it's because I was such a heathen in school, and I hated being <laughs> detentioned or suspended or all of those things, which that never, never made sense to me. I got suspended a few times, all right? I got arrested a few times, suspended a few times. And it never made sense to me, the kid that doesn't want to be in school anyway, you're going to kick him out of school. <laughs> like, okay. I don't care about my grades. I don't care about getting in trouble. I hate school, so kick me out. Okay. It's foolish thinking. All right, let's move on. There's, there's, there's some I don'ts. Do not be afraid, right? Don't be discouraged. Those are the I don'ts. Those are the don'ts. Don't be afraid. The Lord's saying in verse 10, don't be afraid. He's saying also, don't be discouraged. 
Man, the enemy would want us to get discouraged and feel defeated, right? The enemy would want us to be afraid. We are not afraid. We, we are a mighty people, a royal priesthood. We are more than conquerors, right? We are overcomers. We are not afraid. You know, God didn't give us fear in the first place. He said, for I did not give you a spirit of what? Fear or timidity. He didn't give us a spirit of fear or to be discouraged or afraid. He did not give us a, fe- a spirit that we feel less than. He gave us a spirit of power, power to overcome even our enemies, like Corey was saying, power to even love those we disagree with, power to tune in to what the Lord is saying in all of this, power to have faith that, yep, our nation's going to come back to Jesus. Amen. Love, to love our neighbor, to love, it's really simple, guys. Everything's boiled down to this, love God and love each other. That's the greatest commandments. He says, what's the greatest? He's trying to trick Jesus. He says, love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God with everything you have. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Which means you gotta love yourself. Like, you gotta understand who and whose you are because you can only love to the degree that you understand the revelation of God has on you. Let me reword that because that's kind of fun. You are a child of God born for such a time as this. You are a son, you are a daughter of the beloved father and creator of the universe who loves you, who adores you, who thinks highly on you, who's laughing in heaven. Zephaniah 3.17 says he sings over you, he rejoices over you. He's your papa, he's your daddy, right? This is this amazing thing. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love you the way he sees you. Love you. Like we we went to the fair recently with the kids. And man, I just, Chloe, she's so fun to joke around with. She's 14, going on 27. It's so fun. Um, no, she's really, really sweet and compassionate. I thank God for the Lord having grace on us because he's parenting her way better than we have the ability to. She's turning out so good. I was like, how that happened? We are pretty jacked up. Like, whatever. Jesus loves us. So I was joking around, and I, there, you see these girls dressing, like just revealing everything. And I was like, Chloe, man, Don't ever dress like that. Love yourself the way God loves you. Love you the way he loves you, the way he sees you. Value you the way he values you. That's loving your neighbors yourself. Let me me get through this. Do not fear, do not be discouraged. The I am's. He says, I am with you. He says, I am your God. I love the I am's in the Bible because the I am, he says, I am the I am. Tell him the I am sent you. What? I am summarized, I am everything. There's 951 titles of God in the Bible. 951 dimensions, 951 uh, agendas of the Lord, 951 natures of God. He's healer, he's savior, he's the prince of peace, right? He's your provider, he's the creator, he's all of these things, right? So the I am is, I'm everything. When you're frustrated, I'm the peace you need. When you're feeling discouraged, I'm the encouragement you need. When you're feeling hopeless, I am the hope that you need. When you're feeling like you need healing, I'm the healer that you need right now. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling anything, he said, I am. I am everything. The other thing is, he says, I will. There are three promises here. He says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand of victory. These are promises. We are getting way caught up in so many things that are out of our control beyond the power of prayer, beyond the power of of maybe doing what we can within our sphere of influence, but it is not our job to go in and muddle into these things and worry about them more than what God's worrying about them. I love what Bill Johnson says. I do not, I cannot worry about things. I cannot think things 
differently than what God thinks about them. I can't worry about things more than what God worries about them. It's, it's to the context of that. I don't have room for a thought in my head that God has, that God doesn't have in his. And yeah, we're getting so frustrated, we're hating people. We're getting so frustrated, we're shunning people away that think differently. We're getting so hopeless in ourselves as believers in this crap that we're getting distracted from our mission to love God and to love people. It's nothing more than what the enemy would want to steal, kill, destroy, divide, distract, right? Let me, let me, let me finish up here. Fear and faith. Let's, um, and then we're going to go to John 16 here in a little bit. Fear and faith. I'm minus two minutes, so I'll, I'll see what happens here in the next 30 to 90 minutes. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's the definition of faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen. All right? So, so we got this. They can't coexist together. Okay? So both are contagious and grow rapidly, right? Fear is natural, and faith is supernatural. It's this, it's this thing. And, and it's funny that we, we overcomplicate faith so much. Faith is very simple. We go to the grocery store, and, and Nicole has us buy, like, gluten-free organic cereal. It's such an injustice in my life these days. Like... <laughs> Where are the Lucky Charms and the Fruit Loops, right? I was like, man, I could just I could down some tricks or something, right? That was my late night go-to, just like sugary cereal and ice cream. Anybody else with me? Okay. <laughs> anyway, you buy that box of Cheerios with faith to believe that Cheerios are actually inside that box because it says it. That's a level of faith. You get home, and all of a sudden, it's like the, the, the nut brand or something, and you're like... <laughs> What? Some of you, my dad's probably like, actually, they're pretty good. Pick on me, I'm going to pick on you with your ginger snaps. There's a focus. There's a faith level. And there's two ways to look at anything, right? So Joshua and Caleb, they go to the promised land. They come back. There's 12 spies that go, okay? Ten other spies are like, oh, it's desolate. The army's too big. We can't win. But Joshua and Caleb were like, actually, it is amazing. There's grapes so heavy they have to carry them on rods on their shoulders. It's a land full of milk and honey. It's amazing. Let's go conquer it. That's faith. The others left with fear in their eyes. The others had a focus and a perspective. It's not, it's not just an emotion. It's a perspective. It's a choice of what we choose to focus on. We focus on fear and what we're seeing in the, in the desolate, in the desert. Or it's faith to say, no, this is the potential. And this is God's promises. This is his I wills, right? This is the I ams. And with that, all of a sudden, now we can. It's amazing to me that the circumstances don't really mean anything. It's our perspective and what we're going to walk in. God says that his grace is sufficient. We quote that, but do we believe it? His grace is sufficient for our nation. His grace is sufficient for Afghanistan. His grace is sufficient for Haiti. The I am will be glorified. The I am will come through. The I am will change the story. Let me just say, he's not, he's not afraid to dig in some dirt. Amen. Let me finish with this story. Somebody in the band or some people can come up. Let me finish with this story, and then we'll see where I'm at. 
He's not afraid to rewrite our story. He's not afraid to dig in our mess. He's not afraid to go in and do some stuff with ISIS. He's not afraid to convert the Taliban. God's not afraid of this. Is that his story, though? Is that what he wants? It's what we want right now, like today. Let there be revival in Afghanistan, and he wants that. That's his desire, too. But what has to happen first for the grandest revival? What has to happen in our nation first for hearts to really turn to Jesus and not just this few years or a few months like 9-11, honestly? I, I, I don't even know if I agree with half of what I'm saying right now, but I feel it's the Lord. <laughs> it messes with me. It messes with me because I'm not a doom and gloom guy. You know that. I'm a faith guy that believes that you don't need to go through greater levels with the devil for, or, or greater devils for greater levels. Like, I don't believe God is a God of punishment. I don't believe that. I don't believe that, that God will just destruct things so that more, like, that's not really inherently within my theology because God's good and all good things come from above. He is the God of life and life abundance, right? But I do know that through history and as I read my word, crap and injustices and junk and terrible things happen, then God intervenes. And most often it's a time where people are choosing to go away from God or do something. And let me just say, sin has consequences. Turning your back from Jesus has consequences. It's not that he wants to punish. We get this free choice to love him and receive him and accept him. This is so unlike the, the message I usually preach. You know this if you're here with us often. But it's the reality. So we want God to intervene right now in this situation. I love my wife's mama bear heart. I don't like kids wearing masks. I just don't. This is just my opinion, my view. I believe the enemy is trying to silence a generation. I do believe there's some things happening in the spirit realm that I don't like. Sometimes when I talk about a mask, I, I do this, because it's just this little thing. And this little thing has been used for the past year and a half to divide society, to divide politics, to divide believers. And it's such a little thing. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not jumping on sides here. I'm not provoking you to get angry at me. But here's the deal. I love Nicole's mama bear thing. She just doesn't want her kids to have to wear masks all day at school. I get it. But if a mask is what it's going to take to turn hearts to Jesus, then cool. More importantly, if a mask is what it's going to take for me to have a revelation of my heart and the things that are going on icky inside of me, that says, man, I'm actually not as free as I thought I was because when I see somebody in a mask, I get mad. Maybe it's this thing, these things, these evil things that are happening. Maybe they're righteously stirring something up in you that you need to work on you. Maybe you're not loving your neighbor as yourself as much as you thought because you get mad at that person just when they disagree with your philosophy and opinion and the thing you read on Facebook. John 16, let's finish here. I know there's a lot of new people here, or few, and we love you. We always recommend coming three weeks. <laughs> not any week is alike, so you might think this is a weird week. Next week might not be. It might be. We recommend three weeks. <laughs> then base a judgment or thing, like, because I'll just be honest with you. I'm a heart preacher. I'm heart. 
Whatever the Lord's dealing with me on, you're usually the guinea pigs that are along for the journey and the ride with me. (laughs) These are things I'm struggling with. These are things that I'm frustrated by. These are things that I see in the world that are dividing us that really hurts. John 16. I'm just going to skip to 29. It says, then the disciples said, the first several verses here, I was going to start at 20 if you're taking notes. 20 through 33 is what I was going to do for the sake of time. Jesus is just saying, he's like, let me summarize that to go into this. He says, like, man, I'm going to suffer. It's going to be hard for you to even watch. I'm going to suffer for you. You're going to weep, but joy comes in the morning. This is going to be a hard time, but, but joy's coming because for what I'm doing and this hardship that I'm going to endure, there's benefit in it. For about what you're to witness, there's benefit in it. Then he goes on to say, says, and his disciples said, at least you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. What is Jesus' narrative in this? What is his timing in this? What is he doing through this, even if he didn't create it, cause it, or invoke it? What is he doing? And then it goes, Jesus asked, do you finally believe, but the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when you will be scattered. Each one is going to go his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Here's the key verse. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Where's our peace come from? It doesn't come from something new. It doesn't come from a promotion. It doesn't come for, for, for things going our way in our nation that I agree with. Peace can only come from Jesus. Joy can only come from Jesus. Eternal hope can only come from Jesus. And it says this. It says, I have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But. Everybody say but. We don't say but in our house. When the kids are little, we don't, we don't say but. So every once in a while, I'll use that word. We're like, it's a different but. But. Take heart, because I have what? Overcome the world. The what? The what? Oh my gosh. Democrats too? Republicans too? The Tea Party and Independence? He overcame the world. Afghanis, Taliban. Do you know what happened? I did a message March of 20, talking about trust. And I went through the whole list of people in the Bible who didn't trust, the whole list of Bible and the people that did, and the results, and what happened. And then I talked about Reader's Digest, most trusted companies, if you remember that. Like the most trusted juice is Tropicana, the most trusted soup is Campbell's. If anybody remembers anything of what I say, which I get it, I wouldn't either. I look at notes to reference this stuff and make you think I have this great memory. No, I actually looked that up. So anyway, here's the deal. This trust thing. And if you, if you remember, Sarah didn't trust God. Sarah didn't trust God, so Abraham slept with Hagar, and it resulted in Ishmael, and Ishmael became the seed and the father of Islam. That was a lack of faith and trust and taking things in our own hands rather than relying on our faith that there is a son of promise named Isaac, and Ishmael would have never been born or been a seed if Isaac had been trusted in the Lord and the faith of which Abraham had, but Sarah didn't. Although, let me, let me reword that. That was absolutely incorrect. It wasn't just Eve, fellas. 
Okay, Adam's at fault too. It wasn't just Sarah. Abraham kids aren't in here today. I can say this crap. Last week at Church Online, I said sucked, and I was like, oh, kids are here. Whoops. Anyway, let me, let me get off all these rabbit trails. We take things in our own hands, and suddenly the outcome isn't what we expect, and then we blame God for it. <laughs> it's so crazy. He's not afraid to dig in our mess. He's not afraid to rewrite our story. He's not afraid to dig in the mess that our nation's in right now, and it isn't a mess. I'm not saying, I'm not sugarcoating anything. I'm not saying things are perfect and we just look past it. No, there are things and there are things within your power. There are things within your ability and your heart and your calling to actually engage in. We have politicians in the room because God needs godly kingdom politicians to intervene in these spaces. We need godly teachers in the schools. We need godly writers to impact culture for writing and writing stories and writing shows and writing movies and books and magazines and all these things, right? We need this influence in our culture to be kingdom and Jesus-like. But he is not afraid to let some things happen and dig in our mess while it's going on. The woman caught in adultery, they bring her and the Pharisees want her to be stoned. And they bring her before Jesus, and they're like, what are you going to do with her? Like, expecting Jesus to, yep, stone her, put her to death. No, Jesus, man, he's just so full of kindness and compassion and grace and mercy because it's who Jesus is. Even in my mess, even in my mistakes, even in my past and my history with Nicole and, and my, my issues and my junk, right? All of a sudden, you know, I can't ever get this story in my mind once I heard it once. He gets down, and he, and he digs in her dirt. And, and everybody, like, through time is like, what, do you, what message did he write? We don't know. But I don't think it was about what he was writing. I think that was intimate with her. But I think the story was he was digging in her dirt and getting to catch her eyes. A woman caught in that act would have been put to death. Not the man, only the woman would have been put to death, which is a shame, which is stupid. But of that time, that was, that was the punishment. And a woman would have been full of shame. And when you're full of shame, you're usually looking down. I believe it was to catch her eyes. And I believe it was to show that he's not afraid to get dirty in our mess, in our nation's mess, in the world's mess. He is writing a story, even though we can't see what the message is. Even though we don't know what is being written in that sand, he is rewriting a story in our history. He's rewriting a revival right now. He is writing something. He's not afraid to remove our shame. He's not afraid to get and catch our eyes and catch that gaze. And all of a sudden, he goes, go, sin no more. It wasn't a free pass, but man, that was true forgiveness, right? That's what Jesus is doing in our history books right now. Let me just share this thing. Today, this morning, Nicole comes in and I was studying and just reviewing some final notes, praying and worshiping. And she's like, check this out. I was like, it was this, it was YouTube, and it was Chandler Moore from Maverick City singing with Justin Bieber the song Gyra. I was like, that's pretty awesome. I have this special place in my heart for a few people that have been praying for an influence and culture. Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, Mumford and & Sons, and a few others that, that they've been raised actually in Christian homes, raised by pastors, and turn their hearts away from Jesus for a season or whatever that is. I don't wanna to be too judgmental, but certainly not reflecting Jesus in great ways throughout their careers. And I know they're gonna turn their hearts back to Jesus to use it for his glory. 
So Justin Bieber, you've seen it time and time again, and times going back and forth and sharing the gospel. I tell you what, he started to sing this song with Chandler Moore, and I felt the anointing on it, and I began to tear up and cry, which isn't un unusual for me, but I felt, I was like, something's happening here. Something is shifting in our nation. There is revival. We are here. We pray for revival. We want revival. But then when it comes, are we going to agree with what it looks like? Are we going to be willing to walk out the sacrifice that takes to get that revival? <laughs> revival might look like a nation turned away from God for a moment because the Bible says that the earth is moaning and groaning for the sons of God to manifest. Let me touch on that for just a second. What does it look like for the earth to moan and groan? It looks like the media positioning people against each other. It looks like riots. It looks like peaceful protests. It looks like all of these things, right? It looks like people angry, and it looks like Antifa maybe. It looks like the Taliban maybe. It looks like all of these crazy, evil, nasty, dark things. That's the earth moaning and groaning. That's people so angry and have no other choice that they're wanting to commit suicide. They're wanting to overdose. They're wanting to turn to other things that are away from Jesus. That's the earth moaning and groaning for us to manifest, for us to actually step up and reveal a really good God a really powerful Jesus, a really miraculous, amazing Father. Not this hypocritical God that wanted to condemn everybody when they're wrong, but this one that's digging in dirt and getting in a mess. It says the rocks cry out. Throughout some of these people like Justin Bieber, their lifestyles are then moaning and groaning, yearning for somebody to actually portray a good, real, amazing, authentic, genuine Jesus. Not the one they were exposed to by that person condemning them on all of their social medias for, for singing these lyrics or songs. I don't agree with them either, whatever. Jesus has the answer. Gee, we have to trust this. I'm on a very long tangent right now says that the rocks will cry out we don't cry out I want to cry out I want to be the one that cries out how good God is I want to be the one that shouts that wherever I'm at regardless if it's home in my car at work whatever I want to shout that Jesus is good and I want my life to back that up I want to cry out I, I don't I don't need a Justin Bieber to cry out I want to cry out right the rocks will cry out last verse Isaiah 55 12 I had a bunch more says this for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing what I saw this morning was somebody a mountain was a mountain breaking out and singing who has influence and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands So I'm just going to keep going. Coming from a kid who failed speech class and his senior project in high school because I could not get up in front of people. Now you can't get me to shut up. But I don't want to. I don't want to shut up. I want to be a voice piece and a vessel and a mouthpiece for him. And guess what? It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't look like this. doesn't always look like that. Shouldn't ever look like that. Okay. 
here's what I want to pray for. Maybe you can relate to some of my stories today. Maybe you can relate to like in your home, in your heart. Man, you just found yourself getting more consumed by fear than faith. Maybe you've seen yourself getting more consumed by anxiety rather than peace. Maybe more by um, evil thoughts or hatred or frustration. There's this guy, his name is Sean's prophet. Anyway, he he said, "You'll, you'll be entrusted with the things you love. And I just feel this, like you steward good with little, God's gonna give you much. If I hate government, how am I ever gonna be entrusted to reach anybody in government? If I hate industry because it's evil, how am I ever gonna be entrusted to mentor or lead somebody to Jesus in, in that or, or culture or media or whatever these things are? We wanna cast stones so fast like the Pharisees with the woman caught in adultery. I think there's a lot of us in here that have been caught in adultery, but it wasn't in a, a pure sexual way. And we've been putting other gods before Jesus. We've been putting other things before Jesus. We've been listening to other voices louder than we've been listening to Jesus. We've been focusing more attention on news feeds rather than prayer. I know, I know it's whatever. Let me pray. Just open your hands up right now. We're just going to exchange some things. God is the great exchanger. He redeems those things that have been lost or broken. He restores things. He is a redeemer. So Lord, we're asking you right now to trade away fear for faith, for distrust to trust, for hopelessness to hope, from anxiety to peace, restlessness to rest. God, we offer this up to you. Just just in this kind of symbolic way, just lift up whatever you're giving him. Just lift it up to heaven. Just give that to him for just a moment here. Just ask him, say, Jesus, what do you give me in exchange for what I'm giving you? And then just pull that down. Maybe you're giving him fear and you're pulling down faith, peace. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, let us see from your perspective. Let us see the way Joshua and Caleb see situations. To know there's still timing. To know that there's still things that you may need to work out before we see the intervention that we feel is what you do, you're doing. Lord, don't let us be bigoted and want it just our way our timing. Let us trust you in the process. Let us trust you in the process. We love you, Jesus. We give you our cares. We give you our burdens. We give you our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing before we, before I dismiss you. Um, We are going to have the prayer team come up now. If you need prayer for anything, if if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with some, some stuff, relational things, financial things, we would love to pray for you. More so, if you, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, if you need some healing, if you need any prayer of any kind, we want to ask you to come. One of the things we, we tell our girls and that we talk about in our house and, and we, we oftentimes do, like we have girls in sports. We're like, you do the work, just trust the process. That's what we say, we trust the process. That's what we talk about a lot, trust the process. Trust the process. I think that's a word for us in this now moment. Like, trust the process. God's God's in this. He is is in this vaccine thing. He is in this Taliban thing. He is in this earthquake thing. Not saying he caused it. Not saying he loves it. But he is in it. Trust me, he is in it. Trust the process. Here's the other thing. Back to Isaiah 41. He's saying there's a king coming from the north. There's all this stuff that's going to happen, right? Do you know Cyrus didn't come until 140 years later? They were in hardship. I'm not, I don't want to discourage you right now. We won't live 140 years anyway, but 
trust the process. And in that journey of faith, all of a sudden things are built. Look at 2 Timothy. Count it all joy, the trials that we go through. It builds something. 140 years of building. Jesus was a son going through persecution, going through accusation for 30 years, for only three years of ministry. Don't get frustrated. Just keep your faith. Keep your faith. Remember the I, I am's, the I will's, and the do not's. Okay, Isaiah 41.10. Love you guys. Have a great week. Bless you. Enjoy, parents, for the kids to go back to school. <laughs> Peace be with you.